morning. Good morning. Happy Palm Sunday, everyone. It's good to see you all. We got you a bounce house just for celebrations. I want everybody to run through it once we're done here. We're timing each and every one of you to see how fast you can get down the other side. Kidding, kidding. We have a, a fun kids event at following church today. So uh, anyway, it's good, good to see you guys. Glad to see you in beautiful weather. Isn't it wonderful? Praise the Lord for some good weather. And uh, praise the Lord for being able to get out and go to church. It's a good, it's a good time. I wanna, and speaking of which, I want to welcome our online community as well. Thank you guys for tuning in. You can always comment below here. Stay involved. We've got a team there for you if you have any needs. And so same here, guys. We have a lot of interactive needs. We'll talk about it a little bit later in the service. But uh, don't forget, Next Steps is tonight. If you've never been through Next Steps, I want to encourage you to do that. It's how it's kind of an on-ramping for, for our church here at Thrive, knowing more. How do I get plugged in? How do I get connected? What is Thrive about? So uh, please do register for that and attend. Again, baptism is actually 9 a.m. If you haven't been baptized yet, 9 a.m. next weekend. And so uh, next weekend is also... Easter, known as Easter Sunday, we call it Resurrection Sunday because uh, next Sunday is not about uh, bunnies and, and chickens and, and eggs as much as you think it is. It's actually about the, the, tomb, the tomb being empty. It's not even about the cross. It's about the tomb being empty and Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, the, res, the, the cross took place on a Friday, and so Sunday, Easter Sunday, is about the resurrection, the power of the resurrection, and we'll talk about that. And actually, uh, of people who are out of church right now, a poll was taken, and 84% of them said if they were invited by a friend, that they would come specifically to an Easter service. So the door is open for you guys to invite a friend, because this is one of those weekends, it's like the Super Bowl, even fans who don't like the football, they'll come watch football because they like to hang out. Even... <laughs> Even people that are not so sure about God, they will come to an Easter service, specifically even more than a Christmas service, they'll come to an Easter service because they're curious about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I'm planting a seed because I want each and every one of you to invite someone or someones uh, to church next weekend because 9 and 1045 will be right here yet again. And so we're only going to do baptism in the 9 a.m. service, but... We're, we're in our series, and we'll move in, we're in our series, today is Communion Sunday, by the way, uh, we're in our series, The Joy of Enduring, The Joy of Enduring, and, and we built this off of, and each one of these logos, these icons, are little things that took place throughout the week, from Sunday, Monday, to the following Sunday uh, of Jesus' walk on the Holy Week, Semana Santa, as we might call it. Uh, the, the Via de la Rosa is what you would go and walk down in Israel, which was the trail that Jesus walked on those last days. And so we've been talking about and building off of every one of the days. First day was, was technically Passover Sunday. We started this with Passover Sunday when Jesus rolled, rode in on the foal of a donkey and, and they were waving these these palm, uh, palm fronds and, and laying them down in front of the, in front of, when I start speaking a little Spanish, I start to get like mixed up in my language. So 
palm fronds in front of, in front of Jesus. They were waving them. This is the example of us as we were singing Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, which is what they were saying. They were, and we were raising our hands, our palm fronds. And so it was in worship. It's an act of worship uh, towards our Messiah. That's why we do that. We say, we worship you, Messiah. We, we, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And so we talked about that. And then we went on to Monday. We talked about the fig tree moment that, that whenever Jesus cursed the fig tree, which is a sign of Israel. And then the temple cleansing moment, which was a sign also of God's presence. The temple was a, is a picture of God's presence so that one day in the New Testament, the New Covenant, uh, after Jesus, we would know that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit now and how that applies. And so we talked about those things. We talked about being overly busy and just uh, misusing the presence of God and being distracted in the temple the presence of God right here inside here. And so, and then uh, we, we continued last week with, what did we continue with? I just threw myself off. What was it? Assignment, authority, yes, authority, assignment, and assurance. There was assurance that Jesus, well, Jesus gave us three assurances before he left, and one was victory, one was mission, and one was that we, we're going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. Yes, the end is coming. Don't, be, don't worry about it anymore. <laughs> he said it was coming, but it's going to be okay because he's the one coming and he's going to bring redemption to it all. And so uh, th- that left us at Wednesday, and I, and I thought about bringing a message on Wednesday, but uh, Wednesdays, are, there's nothing recorded. Theologians believe that he actually retreated two miles outside of town to the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha to rest and get ready for the days to come, uh, resting from the days prior and resting for the days to come. And I realized that, honestly, a message wouldn't do diligence to that because that's something that we as a body, especially as Americans, but as, as, as American Christians, we probably need a whole series based on rest, talking about rest and how to rest. And so well, we're going to do that later in the year. And so I didn't want to even try to get that into a, a one-day service. And so it picks us up on Thursday. On Thursday, where uh, we're talking about they're getting ready to the, for the Passover meal. The preparations would begin for the Passover supper. And remember, Jesus uh, sent, the, sent the guys out to look, the disciples out to look for a place. They found the place. They went to the place. And they're there with preparations. Uh, and that Jesus is at this Passover dinner, which is where we get the Lord's Supper, which is communion, which we'll, we'll, we'll take at the end of service. That's where this whole, com- this whole thing comes from. It's the Passover that they were celebrating but it was, it was a celebration that it took place when the Passover lamb, the blood of the Passover lamb, was put over every doorpost of every Hebrew child when they were in bondage to Egypt, in slavery to Egypt, before the exodus. And so that was the picture, that's the picture of the celebration in which they would celebrate this night, going into Thursday night, uh, with Jesus. They were celebrating that last supper, and there's so much imagery in that, and I'll get a into a little bit of it later, but not a lot of it. Uh, and then, so Jesus had conversations with his disciples. He was sitting around the dinner table having conversations with his disciples. And, and then later, he would go to uh, get out and go into the valley and go to the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane, is where he would go and pray. It's 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 not the it's not the Olive Garden, but it's a Garden of Olive Trees. And so he would go there. I've been there. It's a beautiful place. Beautiful trees. And he would pray, and that's when he would be handed over to some of the high priests and Pharisees by his own disciple with a kiss, Judas, and he would be handed over. He would be taken captive, and that night, 
Thursday night into Friday morning, he would be tried six times illegally. And every time it got more of a hoax and more of a hoax and to the point where they were just trying to prove their own point so that they, they, their, their version of the story uh, would, would, would still be valid. Their version on God and getting to God would still be valid because he had been tearing those walls down and saying, hey, you've been working for it and telling people you got to work for it. And in reality, you just got to receive it. And so they didn't like that. And so they were tearing him down and, and putting him on trial, which everything was false. And, and on a personal level, I really, I, we're going to look into John. I love John because he takes the story of that Passover dinner moment. And, he, and for five chapters, he's recording and he's talking about what Jesus was telling the people who were most intimate and, mo- and closest to him. He was giving them some, some directives. And, and so he really covered about five topics. Matthew Mark, and, Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't cover this part of the story, but John does. And so I want to pull out of John. So from 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 ver- chapters, he's giving... Uh, he's writing, John is writing, uh, by, the, by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, is writing what took place at that dinner and just after that. And so uh, I want to take you there as we start to get into what I'm going to call today is table topics. Table topics, because it, it, there was conversation just going around the table, and, and Jesus was just had them so engaged. And I don't know if, it's, if you're like me, I love, I love a good conversation around the table. I love a good conversation, having fun with friends around the dinner table. I get to once a week have have a breakfast with friends, a group of men uh, around uh, around uh, early in the morning, and we'll just we'll just talk. We just talk about soul issues, soul soul soul. How's our condition of our soul? We we'll go through a book that we're talking about a book that we're going through, but it's just that time of intimacy and sharing and letting go of and and just I feel better. Like I just I just feel clean now. I feel good. I feel like somebody knows my stuff, and I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm in a safe place. And so Jesus was sitting here saying, I'm just going to share my heart for a little bit, because you don't know this, but I'm out. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm, he, in this conversation, he's telling him, I'm, I'm about to be gone. I won't be with you anymore. And so there's a lot of tough conversation. You've ever been invited to those, con- those dinner tables, and you're like, it's tense, and there's, you know there's something, some bad news about to be dropped, and you don't want it to get to that point. <laughs> Anybody ever been? Well, I mean, it was kind of like that with a bit of, moreover, it was good news in it. And so the questions that, 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 that we'll start off with, with is, what would Jesus say to you? If Jesus, what would Jesus say to you if you could have dinner with you? And, and that's, I, w- I want to set you up with some great questions that you can have dinner with or lunch after church or just throughout the week, you can just have some questions to ask a, a friend of yours or someone close to you. Just begin to start conversation. So what would Jesus say if he could have dinner with you? And we're going to find that out through these next five chapters. And John 13, we'll pick it up. And he says this, it was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Out of love, though he knew he was about to go to the cross, he knew everything that it was going to take, he slowed down, he stopped his busyness, he stopped all the things he could have been doing to put together because he knew I'm about to leave this earth. He slowed down just loved them. 
He made, he made space for them. He created time to be with people he was most intimate with because he knew the days were short. He knew it would be impactful for them so, because he, he loved them. And so he had a conversation with them up to the very end to let him know the intimate details of his heart. And that just makes me love Jesus all the more. Because all the, the, the people who really, really love you when, you, when, when, they, when they know you need it the most, they slow down and they just make time with you. Isn't that great? Because it, it's more value to it when you know they got a ton of other things to do, but they slow down because they know you need it. And so verse 4, he says, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. This freaked them out. They're like, what are you doing? And even Peter was like, no, 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 that's not happening, not with me. He, they, they didn't quite catch what it was that he was doing. This was a, this was a, would have been a task for a servant, maybe a hired servant, maybe not, but it would have been a lowly task that someone that's so great, so, so much and so high esteem should never be doing. And Peter was like, no, 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 no way. No way will you do that to me. And the Lord and Jesus said, if you don't let me get this up close and personal with you, then we can't be partners. And it just kind of shifted the environment there. So Peter allowed him, the story picked up right here in John 13, 12, says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And then he says, do you understand what I have done for you? He goes, you, got, you guys didn't even get what I just did, do you? That's what he's asking. He's like, do you understand the gesture that I just presented and made in front of you? And he continues, he says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. So, so for that, that is what I am. Now that I, the Lord, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Verse 15, he says, I, I have set an example that you should go, do as I have done for you. And in verse 17, he says this. He says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. He said, I just... I just changed things up for you a little bit. You thought it was going to be what lording over and up and, 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 and the big shot, but really it's coming down and taking a lowly position and humbling yourself to a servant. And the first thing Jesus was saying is, number one, your highest calling in life is to serve others. Well, I'm not called to do that. Your highest calling in life is to serve others. In whatever capacity that looks like, my highest calling Whatever the need demands in life is to serve others. And he says, and, and I know you, you know this, but Jesus was sitting at the table with you. He would probably bring up this subject first because it was the heart of Jesus himself. What are you doing to serve others right now? Because we have, we have to make sure, his statement, his driving force behind it would be because we have to make sure that we're not... We're not creating a hierarchy for ourselves, that we're, we're in power mode, that we're the big shots. We need to make sure that the world sees that no matter what our status, we can still come down as a lowly servant, a humble servant, just like our master, our teacher is. Because a student's not greater than his teacher. That's what he said in verse 16. 
prior. And the obvious reason is that we serve others for others. Now, obviously, we know that. But Jesus is driving us a, a kingdom point, a spiritual point that is way beyond, oh, well, they just need it. They have, they have a need, so let's serve. That, we do do it for that reason. But he's saying in this verse, you, if you do this, if you come down and you spend a little time with the toes in the body, so that those who have, have real needs, then you will be most blessed. So he's saying, well, obviously, is logical in mind, we'll know, well, well, they'll be blessed if we do it. No, no, no. Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Yes, they will, but you will be blessed by doing this. And this word that we get, we find it in the Beatitudes, we find it over and over and over. It it's means that, that where we're talking about uh, being most blessed is is literally meaning a feeling of bliss, a blissful feeling. We're always talking about, well, I just, I just want to be happy. This word makarios, it literally means there's an inner joy that you find through serving others. And that's the root, that's the root of, 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 of happiness. That's why you never see scripture saying, well, or any scripture saying, well, God just wants me to be happy. No, he doesn't. But he says, if you do these things, that's where the Beatitudes come from. Blessed, is, blessed are the mourn, blessed are those who weep, blessed are the peacemakers. He's saying, happy will be those who mourn. Happy will be those who make peace. Happy will be, no, 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 Scripture doesn't say you just want me to be happy. No, you will be happy if you do these things. He says, you will be most blessed if you do what I just showed you to do. Just take off your hierarchy, take off your high hat, and come down and wash some feet. So we do, what do we do? We find a need, and we feel it, and we find a hurt, and we heal it. This is the call. This is the highest call of every, of every believer, every person who says, yeah, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. My highest call is to serve anyone. And even on vacation, on a Sabbath day, or even on the busiest days of our life, we still ought to make it a daily goal. There's somebody, I'm going to seek it, and put it, put it in my heart that I'm going to seek someone that is in need. I can see that there's, they, they could just use a little something, and I'm going I'm to be that blessing to them. I'm going to step out and be a blessing. So the table question that Jesus would have is this, what can I do this week to intentionally serve someone else. What could you do this week to intentionally serve someone else? The great conversation that Jesus would come up with, someone in the drive-thru, someone you know who is struggling, someone, someone random that you see and the Holy Spirit prompts, oh, they, they, there's a little nudge, but I'm too busy. I got to get to, I got to be here by the, there's a little nut. I can see there's a there's a need, there's a longing inside of that person's heart that's checking you out at Brookshire's. In all of your busyness, who, who could you serve? So now the disciples are a little floored because their mind, because in their minds, they were thinking, Jesus, he's the king. We know it. He's about to rise up. He's about to take authority over all the earth, and we are going to we'll get to be his cabinet. We are going to give him wisdom. And he's shaking it all up like not happening. It's not going down that way. John 14, 3, 1, sorry, 1 says this, do not let your hearts be troubled because they were troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then Jesus begins to take them to another space. They, they, they were so troubled because now their hopes and dreams, because this is the point that Judas is starting to think, 
wait a minute, you're not the king, you're not, we're not about to take over, this is not to be, about to be an, an upheaval, an uprising? And it starts to set in his heart. Satan right then at the dinner table is setting in his heart, and the rest of them are a little bit depressed because they thought, well, I, we've been following you all this time, and, and we, we were sure right now we were about to be the next ones in line, the second in command, the Roman. We were about to overthrow these Roman oppressors. They were sure about it. And then Jesus takes them to another place. He t- takes their mind off earthly things, and then he says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so... Would I have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? He starts putting their mind on heaven. Don't worry about these, these, these things right here. These are temporal. He starts to put, them, put their minds on eternal things. He said, and if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come back and I take you to be with me that you, may also, that you also may be where I am. The number two thing is he's saying is when earth gets hard, focus on heaven. Maybe earth is hard for you right now, and Jesus would say, hey, I need you to focus on heaven. Whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is right, focus on things above. Don't get so caught up in this stuff right here. It's all about to pass away soon anyway. Don't worry about it. It's going to burn up. Don't worry about burnt, burnt things. Don't worry about ashes. Worry about things that are happening. They are going to happen. And he, he says, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back. And I know, he said, if we're, as we're thinking about earth and temporal things, here, here's, the, here's the statements we need to know. If I know God, earth is as close to hell as I'll ever get. It only gets better. And if I don't know God, earth is as close to heaven as I'll ever get, and it only gets worse. So there's a great, there's a great moment. There's a great experience. There's a great a setting for a setup for the future by just knowing God. But there's more he builds off of. There's a lot of discouraged people out there, and they need a little encouragement. They need somebody to just say, "Reach out, hey, how you doing?" Somebody just pause, pause in your busyness and say, "Hey, can you catch, you want to catch lunch sometime?" Hey, I, I've been thinking about you. Hey, is there anything that I can do for you? You've been on my mind a lot. Hey, can we catch up sometime? People are needing encouragement right about now in this season, and they're needing another believer in Christ to slow down, to be attentive to the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit's speaking. He's letting us know these things, and he's not doing it just so you can wonder about them. But pick up that phone, reach out. Hey, can you, I want you to hear my voice. I want you to hear my voice that I love you. That, that means so much. And, and you know, the, the, the church before, the church, church that got us to this space, the, the older generation, I love some of the songs that would be geared that I grew up to, and they sung at my grandmother's funeral, my grandfather's funeral, uh, my, grandfa- my, my other grandfather's funeral, and, and the song is, some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away, yeah, and so, and then we, this other song was my favorite, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be, when we all Sing Jesus. I'm not a worship leader. What a day of victory. I mean, what, what, what you will sing and shout the victory. And so those songs right there, they were always thinking about heaven. And I remember every time I'd call my grandmother, she would just throw out some scriptures at me and just change my way of thinking. And I mean, nonstop before, say, before I was saved because she was constantly planting seeds. She knew I needed encouragement and the word of God is so encouraging. And the table question with this is who needs your encouragement? 
Who needs your call? Who needs your voice? Who needs your time? Who needs space in your schedules? Who needs you to just calendar them in a little bit and mark something else off your calendar? So if we really want to live out this thing called Christian faith, we don't just come in and attend church. We be the church and we go out and we help, we serve, we encourage someone on some, some extent of somewhere along these lines. We just take out a little space in our own schedules and just say, hey, how are you doing? And then Jesus continues. He leans into a new topic. In uh, John 15, 4 and 5, he starts talking, taking it a little deeper. He says, remain in me. He says, remain. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. He starts talking to the human nature that is geared towards division. The part of human nature that is geared towards disunity. The part of human nature that is so geared towards, you know what, separating, pulling away, and being independent. He knew, he knew what's in the heart of man. And so he begins to speak right to it. Remain. Let's not forget, he says the church is his body. And then he sends the Holy Spirit later to develop the church. He says, remain in me. Stay, stay committed to your church. Stay committed to your small group. Stay committed to your serving because somebody else that you don't even know is needing your encouragement. They need their feet washed. They've been having a rough week and they're a little dirty and they need you to just come alongside and clean them up a little bit. Yes, as we do that, we're serving Jesus himself. He's saying, remain, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing, nothing. But I'm doing all these things. It's nothing. And by the way, that's the call on your life, to be fruitful, to be a fruit-bearing believer in Christ. That's why we exist at Thrive. We don't want people just coming in, knowing God, sitting in church, and then waiting for heaven whenever one day that will be. No, we want everybody to know the real Jesus, to find freedom, to connect to your God-given design that's specifically for you so that you can make a difference, and even more so, make a difference with other people who want to make a difference, doing something that actually makes an eternal difference, has eternal value. Yes, woo, we should be excited about that. It's not when we, well, one day it'll be better. We are the change that Jesus has left to make, to bring in encouragement and to bring change, to bring revival into this space. John 15, 8, he says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. In fact, he creates a standard. He says, this is how it will prove that you are actually my disciples. If you are remaining and bearing fruit, and when you bear fruit, that's how my Father is glorified. And then you will be identified as my disciple. And the key he started with is staying together. Notice, it's not just bearing fruit. Staying together, staying connected, bearing fruit, glorifying my Father. Notice how he says to do it. Not independent, not your own way, not your own thing. Nothing. 
And number three says this, we can do more together than we can apart. And I need, to, I need to say this to you all. You have a part. There is a puzzle piece in eternity that changes this generation, and that puzzle piece looks just like you. And you are completely designed, fully adequate for the very role and purpose that God has called, created you for, and it is missing in this generation until you begin to own it, step into it, and walk towards it. Revival, we're talking about Ukraine right now, it's a terrible situation, but there's thousands of Christians that are mobilizing to where Ukraine, where Ukraine is actually, the, the, the citizens are evacuating, and thousands of Christians are coming bringing Bibles, they're bringing, they're bringing food, they're bringing clothes, and they're answering questions about God, and they're, and, and they're literally, Ukrainians are literally being filtered through the body of Christ and being, and being revived with the body of Christ. Isn't that amazing? Through all of it. There's, God is doing something in the midst of all of the, the destruction, the terror, the horror that is taking place in the, in, the, in the country, but he's doing something. He's setting something up for the future. Sometimes we get so caught up in what's happening now, we forget that God's got a plan. It's just like the cross was Satan's plan. The resurrection was God's next plan. Can I get an amen? Are y'all with me? Is anybody awake in the house? When, we, when all of us do a little, together we do a lot. When all of us do a little together, we do a lot. And Jesus says, hey, you can go to the next one. There you go. There it is. Jesus says, hey, don't, give, don't get divided up. Don't, don't, don't get distracted by the pandemic. Don't get distracted by the government. Don't get scattered around. Stay together. Keep, keep it together. Stay together in the bond of unity. And then the next question is this, what's, what's your part? What, what's your part? John 14, 16, and he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. He's a spirit of truth. He starts breaking it down. Now he's shifting the environment in the, in the, at the dinner table. He says, the world cannot accept him. Oh yeah, and you start talking about Holy Spirit and all of a sudden the world's like, oh, you're weird. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. And they're starting to feel this separation all of a sudden. Wait a minute, I think he's leaving us. I think he's breaking up with us. It's not me, it's you. I mean, it's not you, it's me. Something's going on. What are you talking about, Jesus? We're about to take over. And in John 16, 1, he says, All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. And Jesus is saying, I, I, I can only be in one place with you at one time, but the Holy Spirit, he can be with everyone, everywhere, all the time. I'm telling you this so that you don't fall away. This word right here, this, this word is in the Greek is skandalezo. It's where we get the word scandal. <laughs> Jesus is saying, I've, 
I've sent the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the comforter, your helper to guide you who will speak to you anytime, especially in your times of need, to keep you from scandal. That's good news. He's whispering, he's talking, he's asking you to lean in and listen a little bit because the times are going to get tough and when times get tough, scandal's not far away. John 16 and 8 says, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin. He'll convict us. Hey, 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 when you're starting to write that little email, I'll tell you how the cow eats corn. or <laughs> I'll tell you how this is going to go. You're about to send that text. Delete, 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 delete. A little conviction in your heart. When you're about to go that way, he said, no, 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 no. Go do this instead. And some, some, some need to listen to that voice. And it's not your conscience speaking. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to your inner man who's giving you guidance that's going to lead you towards more favor and more blessing in the kingdom of God. But we have to listen. We've got to be obedient. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, he says. Don't do that. Instead, do this. Have you thought about this? He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He'll even tell you about the future. Because the Word of God says, He discloses His secrets to His friends. Boy, I sure would like to know what's coming and have peace in the present because I know what the future already looks like. Number four is this listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit within you. I've helped many understand how to hear the voice of God and struggle with hearing the voice of God. And it comes down to this one statement. The Holy Spirit's voice is only as loud as my willingness to listen. Hmm. Because whenever that voice comes in and it convicts and you say, I'm going to do this anyway, a little veil comes over your heart. And then he gives you another little, little nudge and you're about to do this thing else. And, nah, a little, another little veil comes over your heart. And all of a sudden, I can't hear him anymore because I kept putting a veil after veil after veil, after each one of the little nudges, the little moments, the little guiding directives, nah, eh, later, too busy, and now all of a sudden I can't hear his voice. The table question is this, what has the Holy Spirit been trying to say to me? It is, a, is it a dream? What's the Holy Spirit, this is very intimate, How, what has the Holy Spirit been trying to say to you? Is it a warning? Is it a dream? Is it advice? Is he trying to comfort you? In John 17, after Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven, and right there at the dinner table, he just began to pray. All of chapter 17, he's just sitting there praying over the disciples and then he goes he goes to the garden of gethsemane where the olive tree garden is and he goes and he prays again and so five is this that he shows us pray about everything pray about everything and prayer needs to be our first response not our last resort all we can do is pray now no <laughs> bad news let's pray something's not going well let's pray First thing we ought to do should be instinctive. Let's pray. Let's get together and pray. Let's go to work. 
and I, and I feel like I'm doing a, a message on how to pray under pressure, but I realize too, it needs to be a series. Spiritual warfare and prayer under pressure, and that's coming. What do I, table question, what do I need to give God, give to God in prayer? And, and, and let's just do that right now, because this is going to be the prelude to our communion service. With your hands open, just like this, and, 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 and hands open because, boy, if you're like me, I, I'm a control freak and I can fix it all until I can't. So I got to have my hands open and say, Lord, all right, you can take it, you can give it, it's up to you, my, hand, my hands are open. I'm not in control. And I keep telling myself, I'm not in control. I'm, I'm not in control. Nathan, you're not in control. But what do I need to give to God in prayer? Holy Spirit, what is it that you've been asking me to give up to you? Would have been those gentle little nudges. Say, uh, uh, uh. Maybe that's not going to help the next season. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Maybe, maybe he's showing you a recent experience. Something that's become regular in your life. Something that he may have said, uh-uh-uh, don't, shouldn't do that, but you bailed it over. And now he's re-revealing it so we can have a time of change. A time of redirection. What we call that is a, a time of repentance. Repentance simply means this. I was going this direction. I'm going to change my mind. And I'm going to go back towards God. I'm going to go the direction that the Holy Spirit is leading me. Because Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit for me here as an advocate to guide me into all truth. Because he's the spirit of truth. And he only speaks what the Father is revealing through Jesus for me and he even wants to give me an insight into the future so I want to be unveiled so Father we repent of these things that you've been trying to guide us away from but yet we chose to do anyway and maybe you're feeling like Pastor Nathan I feel so far from God Maybe shame and guilt has set in. That's, let me tell you, that's not from God. Condemnation, that's from, that's from our inner, the enemy of our soul. So Lord, for, please forgive me for stumbling into these things. Forgive me for allowing these things to take up space in my life. Maybe it's, I finally need to give my life over to Jesus. And if that's you, whether you're here or online, just repeat this after me. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. I repent. I receive you as Lord and Savior of my life. I believe that you were dead and buried for three days from the cross to being resurrected in the tomb raised again to give me life everlasting and then here's the good one Holy Spirit would you fill me up 
so I can live this life in power. Last week, we had a young man come in after service, after second service. He goes, I, okay, it's time. I'm ready. Gave his life over right there, right after second service. It's just, I'm ready. I need to know my next steps. I want to get baptized next Sunday. I'm ready. Man, that, and, that, and that is what Jesus is, is commands, by the way. And he says we all want to be his friends, right? Well, now he's, he's no longer, he doesn't call me servant, he calls me friend. No, no, no. Jesus specifically, explicitly, directively says, you're no longer my servant, but I call you friends if you do what I command. And so he's commanding things right now by way of his spirit. And all we got to do is grab a hold of those things. Friends, everything changes. He gives insight, secrets to his friends. This may be why some of us are not getting directives from the Holy Spirit. Because he's waiting on us to do what he commands. Friends. If you're here today and you man, are online and you got saved, this is it. You can text us, now saved to 94,000. We want to know, we want to follow up. We want to follow up because discipleship is a process, and we will begin that process. Our next steps is also tonight at 6 p.m. Baptism, next, these are all next steps. Baptism, next weekend, 9 a.m. Register online for any of those at livewithpurpose.church. You can go online at any time. Please register. Show up tonight at 6. Also, next, maybe your next step is, I, I, I've, I've never started giving tithes and offerings to the Lord his commands you can you can text thrive give to 94,000 as well if you're online options here we have QR codes available after the after the service you can give in the black boxes that are just outside the door you can mail it in you can get online at livewithpurpose.church next step what are your next steps it's all about next steps Go ahead and grab this little communion cup that's in front of you, in the seat back in front of you. And, and on the top plastic, clear plastic piece, just pull it back about halfway. Pull that little symbol of bread out. And Jesus told them at this dinner we were talking about, this Passover dinner, he told them, hey, guess what? This thing that we've been celebrating for many, many years since Egypt, it's about me. I'm that Passover lamb. It's my blood that was on the doorpost that bring, brought you salvation, that saved your kids and delivered you out of Egypt. It, everything that's at this table, they point to me. And God has been setting up for years, decades, centuries even, that his children would see that the moment he saved them from bond, the bondage of Egypt, that it was a picture and a shadow type of the one day that spiritually God would set them free through the blood of Jesus, the Passover lamb. And it all pointed to this moment of this weekend, the going to the cross, the bloodshed for our sins, the Passover lamb, the blood of the lamb, the spotless lamb, and then Sunday, 
next Sunday being resurrected to life everlasting. It's all about that. He says, it's, this bread is my body. It, this bread that is my body is a symbol of my all-in life for you. And that's where Jesus commands that if this means something to you, that you also be all in this life for me. Not the one to come, but this one now. And so if we will, let's take together. We've already repented. The Holy Spirit's already led us through a process of cleansing our heart because that's what Paul says to do in Corinthians. When you take of the, the blood and the bread to make sure you come before God with a pure heart, cleansing yourself and the Holy Spirit just guided us through those those moments those experiences those past we repented so let's take the bread together if you're ready and in the same way scripture says in Corinthians after the supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, Jesus. You can pull back that little purple later, now the foil. And for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Hang, hang, don't drink it yet. There's a five-fold benefit in this blood. Forgiveness. Redemption transformation there's there's also healing and then there's the blessing you are blessed to be a blessing he says five benefits to the blood of Jesus so if you're in agreement with that come on with me let's just celebrate
much for worshiping with us this morning. If you need prayer for any team, anything, we'll have our prayer team up here. If not, have a blessed week.